Hey, good morning and welcome to Connect Church, whether you're in the room or online. We are very excited that you're here and I trust and pray that this morning is going to be really helpful, if not maybe a little bit surprising to you. So when we think about spiritual disciplines, that is like the habits that we might engage in to strengthen our soul's relationship with God, we probably think of like the obvious ones like prayer, Bible study, church attendance. That's like Christianity 101, right? And then we might move on to some more intermediate or advanced ones. We might talk about like, oh, if I want to strengthen my soul, then I participate in fasting or giving, or like we talked about last week, keeping, observing an entire Sabbath day. But you know what we never think of? Sleep. We would never think of sleep as a spiritual habit, as a spiritual discipline, as something that we could engage in that would actually benefit, bless, and increase the health of our soul. Why would we? It's obvious that sleep is a necessary physical thing, and we know that it's good for our mind as well, but what benefit, what what relationship would sleep have with your soul? or your relationship with your Father in heaven. As it turns out, you guys, sleep is spiritual. We don't normally think of it that way, but it absolutely is. And the Bible has a ton to say on the subject of sleep and how it impacts not just our body and our mind, but also it's so, also our soul. Sleep is spiritual. That's why in the Sueza household, every Sunday afternoon, We go home and take what I call the holy nap, you guys. After I get done with church on Sunday, I strip down and I jump in bed and it's amazing. Let me tell you, I get my best rest of the week on Sunday afternoons during that holy nap. So the Bible has a lot to say on the subject of sleep. In fact, it has so much to say on it that I was surprised and I thought, you know what, in a a year or two, maybe three, I made a note, let's circle back and do an entire month-long series on the subject of sleep. There's that much that I could say on it. But this is the final week of our Take Back Your Life series. I don't want you to have to wait two or three years. I wanna help you like tonight. So what I hope to do this morning is to help connect some dots for you. I wanna show you how the relationship between your sleep health and your soul health works. You with me? I want to give you maybe a theology of sleep. You never considered that before, but I hope to show you a theology of sleep, what the Bible has to say. In fact, I hope by the time you leave today, you leave knowing that reading the Bible is the best way to fall asleep every night, you guys. That's not exactly how I meant for that to come out, but you're with me. You understand what I'm saying, okay? Tell you what, let's just dive in here, okay? The first time sleep is mentioned in the Bible is on page one. Like way back in the very beginning, we read in Genesis 1 that God builds into creation a rhythm of day and night. We talked about this a few weeks ago. There is this kind of set schedule and rhythm that all of creation is supposed to operate under. Everything, animals and people, celestial bodies and planets, all of us, we operate according to this rhythm of day and night. And by the time we get to Genesis chapter 2, the second chapter in the Bible, verse 21, we could put this passage here on the screen because I want you to read it along with me. The Bible says that when God was creating humanity, he created Adam first and he created Eve second from Adam. And we read that God caused the man or Adam to fall into a deep sleep. You see that there in the passage? He caused him to fall into a deep sleep. And it was when Adam was snoozing 
that God took a, a rib or, or a piece from Adam's side. The, the literal translation is not rib, it means side. And we could get into a lot of theology on that, but we'll pass for it today. So he takes a piece of Adam's side and he forms Eve. So Adam, he wakes up, he yawns, he stretches, he rubs the sleep from his eyes, he looks over and sees a naked lady and he's like, whoa, man. And the name stuck, all right? That's not even my last dad joke this morning. It's not even last, so I'm not gonna apologize. I don't care. How many of you guys know good things happen when you sleep? <laughs> they absolutely do. So let me give you a principle that we find just, it's expounded. It is given to us on the very first pages of scripture. The principle is this, sleep is both natural and necessary. Sleep is both natural and necessary. It has been a part of God's good design for his creation from the very beginning. Now, I know that seems pretty obvious, right? We all know that sleep is natural, and we all know, we would say anyway, that it's necessary. You're not going to find anybody who's out in the world saying, well, sleep is unnatural and sleep is unnecessary. No, nobody's going to say that. However, I think if we want to know what we actually believe on something, we don't just look at what we say on the subject, we look at what we do. Are you with me? Oftentimes, what we do is a better indicator of what we believe than what we might say. So a lot of us, in fact, our culture at large pays lip service to the value and importance of getting a good night's rest. But do we? What do we actually do when it comes to sleep inside the church and outside of the church? Well, it turns out that we sleep less and less well every single year that passes. Do you remember I told you way back in the first message of this Take Back Your Life series that uh, back in the 1880s, the year that the electric light bulb was created, we can go ahead and put that graph on the screen right now. Um, back in the 1880s, when the electric light bulb was created, people slept an average of 11 hours a night. That's crazy, you guys, right? And it does make sense when you think about it because before there was electricity, it's like you got up when the sun rose and you went to bed whenever the sun went down. So that leaves a lot of nighttime hours in which you are asleep. Old Tommy Edison comes along, he creates the electric filament for the light bulb and suddenly we start getting lights inside of our house. And so if you jump ahead to 1942, just 60 years after the light bulb was created, we find that our number of hours that we slept dropped on average from 11 to 8.1, like nearly a 30% de decrease just over those 60 years. And it's almost exclusively attributed to the fact that we had electricity in our house. Then if we jump ahead to 2021, just last year, you see that the average Canadian sleeps just 6.8 hours, 6 hours a night. Isn't that wild? In the last 140 years, the amount of sleep that we've gotten has been nearly cut in half. So let me ask you, based on this trend, do we treat sleep as if it's a necessity or, if it's, or as, it's, as if it's an option? It's, it's something that like we know we should do, but if times get tough and we got a lot to get done, we can forego, we can overlook, we can ignore a little bit of sleep and have some more waking hours in our day. All right, there's other facts here, banana stuff. One out of three Canadians report a sleep dysfunction that negatively impacts their quality of life. One out of three. So like, look to your left, look to your right. 
they're good, but you're the one with a sleep dysfunction, okay? I know, I just know it. I know how it works. And then researchers tell us that almost one in 10 Canadians have used sleep medications to fall asleep or stay asleep just in the last 30 days. So you see what I'm telling you when I say we talk a good game when it comes to sleep, but if you look at what we actually do, if we look at what our sleep routine and patterns and health is like, whew, our words and our actions don't match up. It seems that we don't actually believe that sleep is both natural and necessary. I want you to consider how crazy this really is, okay? Because in 2022, we have climate-controlled bedrooms. Yes and amen. Thank you, Lord, for air conditioning and heating because a lot of people around the world, even today, but certainly throughout history, didn't have that luxury. We have space age memory foam mattresses. One day my wife went to the store and she came home and she said, I bought a mattress. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, I could see the value in that. We kind of need a new mattress. She was like, oh, this mattress is amazing. You should have heard everything the sales guy was telling me. Like, it's memory foam, and it's like the same stuff that they use on the space shuttle. And like, we are going to sleep like angels. And I was like, okay, cool. Tell me how much it costs. And she did. And I'm not going to say the number here. But like, seriously now, we'll invest a lot of money into a good mattress, won't we? We've got $300 sleep trackers. How do you sleep? Well, ask your partner if you're snoring and kicking and tossing and turning. They'll tell you. But what if you're single? (laughs) You don't know. So you get a sleep tracker, right? We'll spend hundreds of dollars on technology that might uh, help us understand how we sleep. And listen, we have a better understanding today than anybody else throughout history of the value of sleep, right? Like science tells us just how important sleep really is. Even if we don't know fully everything that it does, we know better than anybody throughout the millennia why sleep might be important to us. And yet, despite all of those truths, our sleep continues to get worse and worse every single year. Why is that? What is behind our sleeplessness? Well, if you watch some TED Talks or you do some Googling, Most of the time, you're going to hear that the culprits are like um, media and technology, right? It's like Netflix, and it's social media, and it's the fact that we live this sedentary lifestyle. I mean, I sit in a very comfortable chair for eight hours a day. I don't actually do real work, you guys. Um, And so like a lot of sleep scientists and, and doctors would say, all of those things are the primary reasons why we get less sleep and less quality sleep over time. But I actually don't think that those things are the cause. I think they're the symptoms, I think you should address some of them. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes in the message. But I actually think that those are just the symptoms of a deeper, more important underlying cause. See, I think the two things that drive most of our sleepless nights are ambition and anxiety. The reason that you have such trouble falling asleep and staying asleep comes down to an unhealthy ambition or unhealthy anxiety. Now, by ambition, I mean, that you guys, we live in a world that values people, that rates or judges people based on what they accomplish, achieve, and produce, right? It is. Our world is that way. You are judged by the people around you, by what you have, by the title you carry, by what you produce at work, you know, all of those different things. And so by definition, when you go to sleep, 
you don't accomplish anything. You just exist. And for so much of our world in which life is all about achievement, accomplishment, ambition, then ceasing any of that for one third of our entire life is a very frustrating thing. Perhaps even something to be looked down on or something that we we shouldn't be doing. It's viewed as a weakness in our culture or at least by a lot of people in our culture, particularly like in the business world. Oh man, you read some business books or you watch interviews from like tech moguls and stuff like that. You'll find out that like um, Fortune 500 CEOs and stuff, they're often bragging about how little sleep they get by with. You ever heard this? Oh man, it happens all the time. So there was one very interesting case study that I found. It's a lady named Marissa Mayer. And for years, she was the very famous CEO of Yahoo!, And time and time again in interviews, she would talk about how she slept four hours a night and she worked 130 hours a week. That works out to be 18 and a half hours a day, seven days a week. And seven days a week, she would sleep for just four hours a night. Hear me now, that is unhealthy and it's unsustainable. Maybe that's eventually why Marissa Mayer had to resign as the CEO of Yahoo and why the teenagers in the room are like, what's Yahoo? (laughs) You know? (laughs) It's like not good for us. It's not good for business to get that little sleep. It's not good for your marriage. It's not good for your job. It's not good for our church for people to get so much sleep. Now, listen, I understand that your approach to sleep may not be as extreme as hers was, but you probably feel the pressure to get as much done as you possibly can during the waking hours. And I know it because I have to deal with it too. If I've got more stuff to get done than I do hours in the day, I'll just increase the number of hours a day that I'm awake and I'll cut back on my sleep. Now, for others of us, our problems with sleep, they really don't stem from ambition. They come from anxiety. We worry about our kids and our finances and our health. And because we can't control those things, our brain will not shut off. And so we lay in bed at night just rehearsing worst case scenarios and negative outcomes. And you're like, I just want to sleep. But your brain won't let you. Or you, you decide that that's not productive. So you stay up all night mindlessly scrolling because you know the second you stop, the anxiety monster is gonna rear its ugly head and you're not gonna be able to sleep anyway. So you might as well entertain yourself or fill it with some sort of like content uh, absorption, all right? I saw a tweet actually that really illustrated this. Well, I love it. I think some of you guys are gonna relate to this. Let's put it here on the screen. This uh, person on Twitter said, I'm very laid back. I only care about two things, every person on earth and their opinion of me, plus the crushing psychological weight of being alive. (laughs) You carry around those concerns, that anxiety, oh yeah, you're going to lay awake at night. It's going to be very hard for you to get some sleep. So here's the truth. Sleep is a daily reminder that I am the creature and not the creator. Sleep is a daily forced reminder that I am, an, I, am, I am a finite being that is subject to the will of a finite creator. Sleep forces me to confront the fact that I'm not in control. I can't do it all. I can't dictate and control the outcomes. I'm not the one holding it together. This is why we hate sleep so much. This is why we struggle to get as much of it as we should because we don't wanna be reminded that we are finite and contingent creatures. 
We want to be the captains of the ship. We want to know that if I work hard enough, I can accomplish absolutely everything that I want to. Or if I stay up and I just think through all the possible scenarios and situations, eventually I'm going to be able to figure out the right answer. We don't want a daily reminder that we're not in control. And so because of that, we fight against sleep. We devalue it. We try to put it off. We try to hack our sleep so that we can feel like we're still in control of the third of the day that we know we're not in control whatsoever. We ignore what sleep has to teach us about our nature as contingent and dependent beings on our infinite God. So maybe this is why when the scripture speaks of sleep, and it does a lot, maybe this is why so many of the verses actually talk about sleep in the context of either unhealthy ambition or unhealthy anxiety. I'm gonna put four verses on the screen, and I just believe deep down in my soul you need to take out your phone and take a snapshot of these or write down the verse references so you can come back to these later because I think you're gonna wanna read these time and again. I think you're gonna wanna study these a little bit because there's a great deal of value that's included in these four verses, all of which happen to come from the book of Psalms. Psalm 127.2 says this, it is useless to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives restful sleep to his loved ones. Rest, restful sleep is a gift from God. Do you see unhealthy ambition illustrated in that verse? Absolutely. Do you see anxiety highlighted in that verse? Yes. Psalm chapter number four, verse eight, the psalmist says, in peace, I will lay down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. Psalm 3, 5, I lay down and slept, yet I woke up in safety for the Lord was watching over me. You, You pray with your kids every night. Now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. But you don't believe it yourself. You want them to believe it, but you can't believe yourself. Psalm 121, verses three through four, listen to this. It says, he will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he, God, the one who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. Christians should be getting the best sleep of anybody on the planet. Because when you're confident that God is with you and God is for you, that frees you from all of the unhealthy and even sinful ambition and anxiety that is keeping you from resting like everything's gonna be okay. God has got this. God has got you. So why are we laying in bed at night with our minds racing? In Jesus, you have nothing to prove, nothing to lose, nothing to hide, and nothing to fear. If you truly have a relationship with God, then when you lay down at night, there should be a peace that is present, a peace that allows you to rest knowing that God ain't taking a nap. He's not on break. Even while you sleep, he's going to make sure that the world keeps spinning. Things are not going to fall apart because you get a solid seven, okay? Ultimately, all right now. This is going to step on some toes, and I don't mean for it to, but we just need to confront this, okay? Ultimately, it seems that a lack of sleep often betrays a lack of faith. See, I told you sleep is more spiritual than we realize. 
And there are certainly physiological issues that need to be addressed. And there are mental and emotional and relational issues that need to be addressed. Listen, you might be getting bad sleep just because you keep letting your dog sleep in the bed, all right? There are some pretty simple ways that you can start to get better sleep. But it is a lot more spiritual than we ever give it credit for. A lack of sleep often betrays a lack of faith. So if you are chronically sleep deprived, I think that you would do well to consider what spiritual issues might be at play. I'm not saying that you should ignore like, you know, things like your screen time or your caffeine consumption late in the evening. What I'm saying is you should dig into why you have to pacify your mind with so much screen time before you go to bed or why you need a drink to calm your nerves in order to fall asleep each and every evening. Now, this idea that a lack of sleep ultimately comes from lack of faith, this isn't original to me. Jesus said explicitly this in a very famous episode in uh, Mark chapter number four. Mark chapter number four, we're gonna read this entire passage because there is a lot to unpack here. I think it's a really helpful passage. We'll start reading in Mark chapter number four, verse 35. So the verses will be on the screen. The Bible says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Now, the lake that he's talking about here is a huge lake. You got to understand, it's not a tiny little thing. It would have taken hours and hours and hours to get across. And in fact, this body of water was so large that it actually generated its own kind of climate. There would be massive storms that would come about as a result of this large body of water, and they would impact and affect only the body of water, okay? So when he says, let's go across the lake, it's like, settle in. This is going to take a little bit. So the scripture says they took Jesus in a boat and they started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed with them. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Now I just want to point out here, the scripture says this was a fierce storm. This wasn't just like a little rain drizzle, you know. It wasn't like the water got a little choppy or anything. No, in fact, things got so out of pocket that the whole boat was filling up with water. This was something that happened and it was intense and it went on for a period of time. It wasn't just like an immediate and kind of normal, manageable sort of thing. Now, verse 38, we read that Jesus was sleeping. Did you guys know Jesus slept? We're like, oh, he's the son of God. He probably doesn't need sleep and food and water and, you know, he didn't have to go to the bathroom and all that stuff. Yeah, he did. He was 100% man, 100% God. So he had to do all the human things. Jesus slept. He was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion, it says. I kind of like that detail because what it tells us is that Jesus was not just catching a cat nap, you know? It wasn't like he just sat down in one of the chairs and he kind of tucked his chin in and uh, closed his eyes and he was kind of in that twilight zone where he's sort of asleep, but he can still hear what everybody's saying. No, no, he kicked off his sandals. He laid down on his side. I'm telling you guys, if you don't sleep on your side, you're doing something wrong. This is the best. (laughs) He found a pillow, He tucked in, okay? This was like, he was like, it's gonna be a while. I'm tired, I'm gonna catch some rest. So he really tucked in here. Waves are breaking, storms pounding, water's filling with boat. Uh, The boat is filling with water. And this whole time, Jesus is underneath and he's sleeping like a baby. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're gonna drown? What are you doing sleeping, man? How can you sleep at a time like this? So when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind 
And he said to the waves, silence, be still. Hey, look, I'm just going to tell you, sometimes the best thing you can say to your problems, to your storms is shut up. Your mind is rolling at night. You just need to tell yourself, shut up. Stop, silence, be still. You have that authority. Jesus has given it to you. So Jesus said to the wave, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And so he asked the disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? No faith. See, he explicitly links faith, confidence, trust, and the goodness and presence of God with the ability to sleep even when life circumstances say you shouldn't be able to rest right now. The disciples in verse 41 were absolutely terrified. I love this because we start with the disciples terrified of the storm and then Jesus stops the storm. And so you think that they would feel peace and calm and love and happiness and thankfulness. No, they're still terrified, but they're not terrified of the storm anymore. They're terrified of the one who calmed the storm. They're starting to recognize the power that Jesus has in their life. And if they were truly to trust him, they could close their eyes and go to sleep and not worry about the ship sinking, not worry about how things are going to work out. In the end, they turn to one another and they say, who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. You guys, Jesus teaches us that with confidence in God's presence and provision, we can have real peace. Yes, this is a sermon about rest, but this peace, it extends to your waking hours and it extends to your sleeping hours as well. Just this deep, abiding calm and confidence that even if the world is out of your control, it is not out of God's control. So I can tuck in every night. I can take off my sandals. I can find the most comfortable position. I can fall into a deep sleep because even when I have to stop working, God will never stop working. Even when I'm afraid, God is not afraid. Even when I'm not producing, God is still providing. And so Jesus illustrates for us the way that we get real sleep. It is a full confidence in the presence and goodness of God. Hey, if you want to get a great night's sleep, sure, go buy a Fitbit and track your sleep. That might be helpful. That's a good thing. You could buy a pillow. Go get a new pillow. Okay, so I told a story on my wife. Let me tell a story on myself here for a minute. Okay, so I bought a $150 pillow. I did, 100%. 150 US. I don't even care. I did it. I loved it. This is, like, this pillow is one of my prized possessions. We had a house fire. I'm going to get the dog. And then I'm going to get the pillow. And Amber can say whatever she thinks is important. <laughs> you don't need no man. You're good. Okay, so anyway. I'm going off script and I'm getting in trouble. Okay, so I bought this $150 pillow. A couple of, a year ago, something like that, we decided to drive down to Texas promise you. I'm like, well, we're driving. I'm taking my pillow. If we're flying, I'm not, okay? Because this is like a, um, oh, I forget the, like the sleep number or um, anyway, it's like a memory foam and it's very heavy. It's wonderful. Anyway, I took this stupid pillow. We go to a hotel in Montana. It's our first stop. I sleep, get up in the morning. We get driving. I get to the next night, which I think is somewhere around Denver. And we go to unpack the car and go to the hotel. Missing. Pillow is gone. I was like, okay, no sweat. I'm going to call them. It's only been a day. 
So I call the hotel, and I'm like, hey, I left my pillow there. It's very important to me. Um, can I get it? I'll pay for shipping. Can you ship it to Dallas where I'm going? And they're like, oh, I'm sorry, sir. We didn't find a pillow in there. And I'm like, come on, man. You saw a $150 pillow, and you took it. I know what's going on. So we go to Dallas, and I'm like, okay, I can, I can do this. I can do this. I'll just use your mom's pillows. It's no big deal. I'll stack like four high, and uh, I'll get some sleep. I did it for one night. And I was like, I'm going to Bed Bath & Beyond today, girl, and I am buying a new pillow. So I bought another $150 pillow. Listen, there are things that will help you get a good night's sleep. So if you need a good night's sleep, then sure, do the obvious stuff, okay? Drink a chamomile tea if that's what you need to do. But none of it is going to be as effective as quieting your soul with the knowledge that God is sovereign and God is good. God is in control and he's looking out for you every single day. He's the one whom the wind and the waves obey. So I trust him. And that allows me to sleep the way that I'm intended to. So let's, let's kind of wrap up here. What can you do to get better sleep this week? What are some things that you can actually do? Now, I could give you all the standard stuff, okay? So the standard stuff is turn on night mode in your devices, I don't know fully how this works, but it kind of like shifts the color wavelengths of light and somehow or another, the blue light's better than the yellow light or I don't know, something like that. I'm not a scientist. So anyway, like if you go read some sleep blocks, that's what they're gonna tell you. They're like, that's one of the first things you should do. And I could tell you that you're supposed to go to bed at the same time every single night. That will help you. If you stay up, you know, and your, your, your time of getting in bed and falling asleep is like three hours earlier this night than it is that night, that totally messes up your circadian rhythm and stuff like that. I could tell you that you should set your room at the proper temperature in order to fall asleep. That has, by the way, been scientifically proven to be between 17 degrees and 18 degrees. Fellas, you're welcome. You go to a, no, this is true though. This is true. You go to a sleep center. Everything is intentional, including the temperature. They've done studies on this. You will fall asleep fastest between 17 and 18 degrees Celsius. Fellas, don't argue with your wife over this anymore because this is not preference, it's science, okay? She's shaking her head. No, it's not happening over here. Listen, I could tell you all of that stuff, but honestly, you can Google that. You don't need me to tell you that. So rather than giving you the obvious stuff, rather than giving you just the physiological or the emotional or even technological side of that, can I talk to you about the spiritual things that you might do each and every day to maximize sleep, to feel rested and ready to accomplish whatever God has for you in the next day? First thing is this. I would encourage you end every single day by praying and reading scripture. Pray and read scripture. Just do that. Like make it a part of your bedtime routine. Now I know you probably heard growing up in church, you need to do your devotions first thing in the morning because if you do them at night, you're gonna fall asleep before you ever get done. I know I heard that too. But listen to me, could you imagine a better thing to doze off to than the promises of God? The words of your savior in your heart and soul and mind, man, that would be a whole lot more beneficial to you than falling asleep to another rerun of The Office. So I would just invest a little bit 
into something like prayer and Bible reading because it will quiet your soul. It will refocus, reorient you on the promises and the provision of God so that you are able to sleep just a little bit better. And oh, by the way, um, if, you, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you're finding it hard to fall back asleep, sometimes that's God actually trying to get your attention uh, about something that you need to pray over. We, we read this happened to a guy named Samuel in the Bible. He woke up in the middle of the night. He's like, why can't I sleep? It was because God was trying to get his attention. He needed to have a conversation with God. So my point here is this. You're going to, every one of us, okay, has to end our day with a forced spiritual discipline. You have to. No matter how hard you try, you will eventually be going to sleep. So if you're going to end it with a forced spiritual discipline anyway, why not lean into that? and choose to nourish our souls intentionally so that we can rest just a little bit better. And doing that, I believe, would also affect and impact your your coming days, your waking hours as well. You're like, yeah, but what about like morning time? Aren't I supposed to do my devotion in the morning? God forbid you, you pray to God twice a day. Come on, man. And we're talking like five minutes here. That's all it takes. Okay. So I would say end your day with prayer and reading scripture. Second thing is, I would encourage you to be extra guarded about what you fill your mind with prior to falling asleep. I mean, like not all shows are created equal. They're not. There are some that are gonna have a smaller or a lesser impact on you as you're trying to fall asleep, but you can't watch an hour long or two hour long show filled with murder and mayhem and then expect to sleep like a baby. Heck, you can't watch the news before falling asleep and then sleep like a baby. So not everything is created equal. And if you're, if you're finding yourselves constantly anxious when you sleep, don't watch stuff that makes you anxious. There's music you could listen to as you doze off that will draw you closer to God. And there's music that would push you further away. Hey, if I can just be real direct here, if your bedtime routine requires you to pull up a private browser tab, you need to do something about that. That's not helping. You, you're like, oh yeah, that's, how I, that's what I gotta do in order to fall asleep. That's a problem, bro. And, and doing that is not training you to get restful, spiritual sleep. This is one of the many reasons you probably shouldn't be doing that. See, in the book of Philippians, we're encouraged to dwell on things that are true and right, noble and pure. And then the, the, the next verse tells us that if we'll do those things, the God of all peace will be with you. So there's this connection to what we consume, what we think about, what we worry about and what we rehearse in our heads at night and God's ability to give us peace as we sleep or as we rise. And then the final thing I'll say is this. You've got to recognize that the greatest rest of all comes when you know that you are right with the God of the universe. It it comes when you are confident that you have been forgiven all of your sins You are accepted by God because of his undeserved mercy and grace. And no matter what happens, God is with you and for you because you are with him and for him. See, if you don't have that confidence, if you've never never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're going to go to bed and every single night, whether you realize it or not, it may be subconscious, but you are going to have angst that you will wake up the next day, not in your bed, but face-to-face with the God that you spent your whole life avoiding. That sort of anxiety, it may be low-grade, and you might have gotten pretty good at ignoring it. But once you deal with it, once you are reconciled to God through Jesus, 
you realize how much weight you were actually carrying around. And you feel that light yoke of Jesus, that burden that's so much easier to carry. And so I wanna encourage you, I wanna challenge you. Heck, I'll even beg you, not just for the sake of sleep, but for the sake of your soul, be reconciled to God. All you have to do is accept his forgiveness of sin. It's free. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to prove that you deserve it. You don't have to justify. You don't have to argue your way into heaven. You don't need to memorize the Bible. You don't need to give any money in the offering. All you have to do is say, God, I know I've been running from you for a long time. Today, I stopped running. I'm turning away from the world and I'm turning towards you. Will you forgive me for running away? And will you accept me as your son or daughter? Help me to live with peace because of my relationship with you. If you'll do that, if you'll say that kind of prayer, you will genuinely experience a a joy, a peace, a calm and a confidence that you didn't even know existed. It will help you to sleep better. Much more importantly, it's gonna help you to live better. 